Welcome to the Open Bible Podcast, a resource of Church of the Open Bible in Swift Current, Saskatchewan. In this episode, Pastor Jay is joined by Dr. Charlie Bing of Grace Life Ministries. Together, they discuss the topic of God's grace and give us a better understanding of what it means to be saved by His grace. Well, hello, church and guests. This is Pastor Jay Hines welcoming you to another episode of the Open Bible Podcast. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. As a church, we're currently studying the book of Ephesians on the Lord's Day, and we just looked at one of the most memorable passages in the book, chapter 2, verses 1 to 10, where we are told the incredible truth about the new life that we have in Christ. Though we once were dead in sin, God has made us alive in Christ, and He's done it all by his grace. Paul says twice, by grace, you have been saved. Now, I thought it'd be a good idea to dig into this truth a little more, to consider the biblical teaching about grace more deeply in this episode. And so I've invited someone special to discuss this matter with me, Bible teacher and founder of Grace Life Ministries, Dr. Charlie Bing. So welcome to the podcast, Dr. Bing. Thank you, Jay, and uh, greetings to everyone. Well, why don't you begin by just briefly sharing a little bit about yourself and your ministry? Okay. Um, I'm married with four children and nine grandchildren. Let's start there. And um, my training took me uh, in the state of Maryland in the East Coast of the United States at Washington Bible College, uh, then to Texas, uh, where I went to Dallas Theological Seminary and got my master's and my PhD. And while I was in my PhD program, I started a church and pastored there for 19 years. Didn't intend to stay that long, but I did. And while I was staying there, I started Grace Life Ministries uh, because I am quite passionate about spreading the gospel of grace and opportunities for opening up. So it became convenient for me to step down in 2005 and go full-time with Grace Life. So I, I uh, do a lot of teaching, preaching around the country here. And then uh, overseas, we train, mostly train pastors overseas and Bible school students in other countries. So it keeps me pretty busy. And we have a podcast and, uh, of course, uh, create we create re- resources uh, about the gospel. Great. Well, thanks for that introduction. And uh, I'll just say, too, your ministry has blessed me and definitely helped clarify a lot of matters. In fact, uh, your book, Grace, Salvation, and Discipleship, is one of the books I recommend to so many people, so many pastors. It's right there, easy to access on my shelf uh, when we're getting at some of those Uh, passages that are are a little difficult to understand how God's grace fits in there. And it's super helpful. And actually our staff right now, there's five of us, and we are currently going through your book simply by grace. And we started this week and everyone's loving it. So thank you for all your ministry. Well, that that book has been well received and I I just am glad that people are using it. It's gratifying. Yeah. Well, as usual, I have a number of questions uh, for Dr. Bing to answer, and I trust that as he answers them, it'll help us to see a little bit more clearly what the scriptures have to say about grace. So let's start with the most obvious, basic question. What is grace according to scripture? Well, the simplest definition of grace, it's a free gift, but uh, we have to probably qualify that by saying free means unconditional with absolutely no conditions attached. Um, grace comes from the word Greek word charis, comes from the Greek word for gift, charisma, so you can see the relationship there. And uh, it just means something that's absolutely, absolutely free and, and contrary to works or human merit. So the unconditional uh, free gift of God. And when we're, we're talking about grace in relationship to salvation, it would be the unconditional 
free gift of God uh, to undeserving sinners. Hmm, that's a great, really succinct uh, definition. That's that's super helpful. Uh, how central is grace to biblical Christianity? Well, I think it's absolutely at the core of Christianity. In fact, I contend that it's what sets Christianity apart from every other religion in the world. And I talk about this in my book, Simply by Grace. But uh, if, if you look at every religion in the world, there is a list of something you must do. Many of them will talk about grace, but there's always a but. Yeah, you're saved by grace, but. So in the Hindu system, it's uh, keeping the four yogas. In the Buddhist system, it's keeping the, the, uh, the eightfold path. In the Muslim system, the five pillars of Islam, the Jewish system has the law. Uh, and every cult has its list of things to do. And uh, much of uh, Protestantism even uh, ha has attached works to the concept of grace. Um, but grace, is, grace means that God has done everything for our salvation. There's nothing we can do. Every other religion in the world, including those who have erred in Protestantism, say that we have to add something to grace. And, and in my opinion, therefore, it ceases to be grace. That's what the scriptures say. Yeah, I've heard it said often, um, Christianity is not due, but done. Exactly. Uh, uh, it's, it's that free gift. And uh, I found that very helpful, especially with evangelism situations where, um, you know, people might be asking questions, like especially acquaintances, friends, neighbors, that sort of thing. We start talking about our faith at some point and they say, well, like something I often hear from non-Christian secular people is, okay, but like, why should I believe Christianity and not X, Y, whatever other religion, right? I mean, or the, aren't they all the same? You know, what, what sets it apart? And I found it extremely helpful to point out what you just did. Well, grace, that, that is what, 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 what distinguishes it. And, and for me is ultimately what makes uh, the Christian faith believable. Uh, Christ's resurrection, which confirms uh, his, his, his death for us, and at the heart of that, this message of grace. It's not what I do for God uh, to make him uh, accept me, but rather it's what God has done for me. Exactly. Those are actually the two points I think that we always need to argue with and for is the resurrection of Christ. That makes Christianity different. And, uh, and then the condition for salvation of mm -hmm. salvation by grace alone through faith alone, that makes Christianity different from other religions. Yeah. I, I also found it really helpful. Um, I was mentioning to Dr. Bing before the interview that Pastor Joe and I read a book together a while ago called So Great Salvation by Charles Ryrie. And in the book, I think it's in that book where he talks about um, when we're talking about salvation by grace, which we'll get to in a minute um, more, more in depth a lot of it has to do with the direction, right? So the direction of the gospel, the direction of grace is receiving, right? It's not me giving something to God. It's not me committing something to God. It's, it's simply receiving. Right. I think if we understand what the scriptures say, when it talks about first Peter five, uh, 10, that he is the God of all grace. Well, he, we, he's mostly defined in the scriptures by love. God is love, but a, think about this. A God who loves us infinitely doesn't help us at all. If, that's, that's love is not communicated to us. So grace, like the hymn says, grace is what brings his love down to man. And so grace is, is actually the way he communicates his love to us. Um, yes, he's a God of love, but in order for us to know that love, we have, he gives us his grace uh, through Jesus Christ to experience it. 
Yeah. And there's, it just reminded me, I don't have the book with me right now, but I know uh, one of our staff pointed out how they love you had a quote near the beginning of your book, Simply Grace, where uh, it's talking about God's love. And then it said, is this correct? God's uh, grace is God's love stooping. Is that the, the quote? Well, yeah, it came from uh, James Montgomery Boyce, who was a Presbyterian preacher on uh, in Philadelphia. Yes, that's right. And though I think the way he put it was that uh, grace that reaches, uh, love that reaches upward is worship, love that reaches outward is affection, and love that stoops is grace. That's right. Yes. And there seems to be an, uh, that there is an Old Testament, one of the Old Testament words for grace comes from a root word that means to stoop down. So a superior helping a poorer person in need. Right. Yeah. Which is just a, yeah, another helpful, helpful image. So we've already touched on this a little bit, but uh, what are some of the ways that God demonstrates his grace in the Bible? Examples um, of that. Well, there, I mean, it starts at creation. The fact that God created us just so that we could enjoy him and one another in his creation. Uh, and then he provides for his creation. Uh, that is all of God's grace. And of course, we sin, and now we need his grace in a different way. Um, he, we need it in his uh, salvation. So from the very beginning, he promised that he would send a redeemer, Genesis 3.15, who would crush the head of Satan and would be a blessing to the whole world. And uh, so that promise is expanded uh, throughout the Old Testament into the Abrahamic covenant and Davidic covenant and the new covenant. And that's really the framework for the whole scriptures. So mm -hmm. grace is really the common theme throughout it all. And then it culminates in Jesus Christ uh, for the grace of God has appeared, Titus 2.11 says, and Jesus is full of grace and truth. And he replaces uh, the Old Testament law and he himself becomes God's grace to us. So, I'm, so grace is just, uh, it's everywhere in the scriptures. Every Everything that God has done for us, we see it um, all through the scripture as a common theme. Uh, one of the best ways to to see grace in the scriptures is how he deals with uh, the Jewish people, his chosen people. The fact that he chose them, even though they were not deserving to begin with, and then the fact that he preserved them, even though they were constantly disobedient and rebellious, and yet God was constantly loving and forgiving and preserving them uh, so that they could be uh, the, the, the people of the Messiah. And even to this day, he has not given up on them, though some would contend that he has not given up on them. He says in Romans eleven twenty six, all Israel will be saved. So what a wonderful, gracious statement that God has dealt with this rebellious nation throughout the scriptures. And uh, just like he's dealt with our own rebellion and yet saved us by his grace. Yeah. And I would say, as I've come to understand more and more, that just everything in life is a gift, right? Uh, life and breath and everything else, it all comes from God. It's all a gift of grace. I've, I've come to see grace in uh, every part of the Bible. And, and, and it's like, you know, it's like your eyes are just opened more and more as seeing that's a gift. That was grace. That was, I mean, it's just, it's all, all grace. And uh, I, I was reminded just now of um, a story I'm sure you've heard before, uh, I believe, Lewis Berry Schaefer, who is the founder, first president of uh, Dallas Theological Seminary, where you went. Um, there's a story about him, uh, I believe, near the end of his life. It was like the last graduation when he was alive. I think it was his last lecture or something. And apparently he was up in front of everyone in a wheelchair, you know, very 
uh, ill. Um, and he, he said something along the lines of, you know, I've been studying and teaching grace my whole ministry. And now at the end, I still barely understand it or something. Or, oh no, I'm still uh, just learning to understand it or something like that. And then he says, and friends, it is magnificent. It is magnificent. I mean, what a testimony. I mean, he was someone known for just uh, centered on grace and yet to hear that and I just think, wow, I mean, uh, however later it was when he finally was, uh, the Lord took him home. Uh, I'm sure his eyes were just opened beyond measure to see just how true that is. Well, that's why they call it amazing grace. He calls it magnificent grace. Uh, I don't think yeah. we can ever fathom the depth of what God has done for us. And here I'm someone who wrote a book introducing the whole subject of grace, my book, Simply by Grace, from how grace affects us from beginning to end. And, and yet I don't even think that I've scratched the surface understanding or experience mm -hmm. God's grace in my own life. Yeah. When you mentioned Amazing Grace, that's just an, another uh, example. John Newton, who wrote that hymn, it, it said that uh, in his final days, as he was in bed, uh, dying friends came to see him. And his last words were, uh, there's two things that I know for sure at the end of my life, that I am a great sinner and that God is a great savior. And I just think, again, how grace uh, from beginning of life to the end, uh, it, it's all, all of God's grace. Yeah, amen to that. So we've, we've, we've talked already a little bit about, of course, that uh, when we think about grace, we naturally, first of all, think of our salvation. Uh, so what role, uh, just maybe a little more specifically, what role does grace play in our salvation? Yeah, good question. And uh, there are different theological perspectives on this, but the way I understand scriptures is that the God of all grace wants everyone to be saved. And he provided uh, a way for us to, us who are separated from him by sin to be saved through his son, Jesus Christ. So you start with the God of all grace, and then he does something very gracious by taking on flesh and becoming the eternal sacrifice that we need for our sins. So right there, we, we have such an ultimate statement of God's grace. And then he offers that grace and salvation to us freely as a gift. And that's what Romans 3.24 says, uh, uh, being justified freely by his grace. There's even an emphasis in that verse, a redundancy there, freely by his grace. Grace means free, so Paul emphasizes it by saying freely. So, you know, think of it this way. Uh, Jay, and, and it, it baffles me why some people want to say, yeah, we're saved by grace through faith, but, and they want to add something and, and make, they write books called salvation is not as easy as you think or, or hard to believe. And they try to throw all these conditions on the front end of the gospel to make it difficult to be saved. But if there is a God who loves us and wants us to save and wants to save everyone, why would he want to make the gospel difficult? It just doesn't make sense to me. So God is a God of all grace. He sent Jesus Christ. Uh, that's a gift. He gives us eternal life. He offers us freely the living water of eternal life. Uh, if we only believe in him, it couldn't be simpler. And I noticed I didn't say the word easy because it's not easy sometimes to believe, but it couldn't be simpler. God couldn't have made it simpler. He made it accessible to the youngest child, the simplest person, anywhere in the world to be saved. That's how much he loves us. So it really has to start with our understanding of the very character of God. Yeah. And, and you kind of alluded to this too, but 
obviously then there is this strong connection between because salvation is by grace, it is through only faith because if it, uh, faith receives faith, Paul says very clearly, faith is not a work, right? Uh, faith yeah. is as, as Ryrie says, it's, it's receiving, it's this direction, not, not the other. And uh, so would you elaborate on that anymore? Just why, why is faith the necessary uh, and only then condition if salvation is truly by grace? Well, if we understand what grace is, an unconditional free gift of God, and we are saved by grace, and if, if faith is any kind of work, then it ceases to be grace. And that's very clear in Romans uh, 11, 6. Uh, I'm going to read it. And if by grace, then it is no longer of works. Otherwise, grace is no longer grace. But if it is of works, it's no longer grace. Otherwise, work is no longer work. So the moment we introduce works, the scripture is telling us, grace ceases to be grace. They're, they are um, mutually exclusive ideas. Therefore, if it's not by works, it has to be by faith. And that's the very big emphasis at the end of Romans chapter 3 and into chapter 4, where it talks about Abraham believing God and he was justified. Um, he had confidence uh, per, was persuaded that God could do what he promised to do and so he was saved by that faith um, not by anything that he could do yeah and of course the the one of the most famous verses or two verses in the New Testament uh, from Ephesians 2 8 to 9 for by grace you've been saved through faith this is not your own doing it's the gift of God not a result of work so that no one can boast I mean it could not be clearer um, and I know you say this in your book and I found it helpful um, when, when, if works get involved, well, it's not a gift anymore, right? You said it's, it's a paycheck, right? Right. Okay. Yeah. Um, what about those who would say, well, you know, it's not, it's not that works need to, and maybe I'm getting ahead of us here from another question, but I think it fits. Um, it's not that you need to do any works, to receive the gift of salvation, but you do need to do works afterwards in order for it to be real faith, that sort of thing. Um, it seems to me then, uh, well, maybe then salvation isn't your paycheck, but uh, it is a debt that's owed. Yes, we have to see this, that salvation is, is by grace through faith from beginning to end. It's, it's not a grace that puts us on probation to see how well we do before we're uh, finally vindicated, or they say a final justification, a second justification is what they even teach. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you get these terms that are like costly grace, uh, and what they, I think, are implying by that is that, yes, you're saved by grace, but now you have to do the works to show that you actually uh, received it or earned it or deserved it. Uh, but that contradicts the very meaning of grace. Um, you've heard the saying, uh, the faith that's, we're saved by faith alone, but the faith that saves is never alone. And that statement is supposedly attributed to Martin Luther, but that makes no sense to me. It seems to be a contradictory statement. Mm -hmm. We're saved by grace and kept saved by grace. And our works uh, are not a proof of our salvation. They are a way that we can serve God. Uh, there's examples in the scriptures of those who died uh, out of the faith, or in, in other words, uh, in sin, not, not they didn't lose their salvation, but somebody like Solomon, uh, who died at the end of his life, given to idolatry and 
marrying so many women and so forth, even though he was a scripture author. So we, we have him and other examples, Ananias and Sapphira who died in sin, but we don't, I wouldn't question their salvation at all. Really at the heart of it all, we could say is, uh, is salvation something that involves God giving something to me completely alone? It's, it, or is it involve him giving something to me and me needing to either before or after give something to him? Uh, and I like what you said is as soon as we start uh, as Bible believing Christians, as soon as we start saying, well, there is something you have to give to God or you commit to him or do for him, whether it's before or after salvation. Um, the problem with that is, well, for one, it, it, it ceases to be a gift. It ceases to be uh, grace. But also um, what it also does, I think, and I'm sure you would agree with this as well, is it, it, it kind of... Um, it kind of puts, it's almost like we're putting God in, in our debt as well, to some degree. And, and, and I see that thinking a lot where people think, well, God owes me something. Like, look at everything I've done for God, whether it was in my salvation or whatever, however I view it. And now God owes me. God owes me a good life. God owes me a life free of suffering. God owes me wealth. God owes me this or this or that. Um, and I think that that thinking can subtly then start to penetrate our whole Christian life. Yeah, God doesn't uh, doesn't pay debts. He's not a debtor. We're <laughs> we become debtors to Him, if anything. Um, I, I always like to point out to people if, who are familiar with the Scriptures, the Book of Romans, and how mm -hmm. it lays out this whole argument. Because Romans mentions grace twenty eight times more than any other book in the New Testament, and uh, you have a wonderful presentation of grace as you go through the book of Romans from our sin, which is so deep and we're so lost and by the end of, by the middle of chapter three, and then he introduces grace, but now um, uh, righteousness of God has been revealed. And he talks about salvation by grace from chapter three, verse 21 on. And it's there we read freely by his grace. And so he talks about grace through chapters three, four, and sanctification chapters six through eight, and our security of our salvation chapter eight, and then his grace and and uh, salvation for Israel in chapters 9 through 11. The interesting thing about those first 11 chapters of Romans is that he doesn't tell the readers to do anything. Mm -hmm. He just explains grace to them. And then in chapter 12, verse 1, what's the first thing he says? I urge you, therefore, brothers, in view of God's mercy, 11 chapters of God's grace, in view of that, offer your bodies a living sacrifice. So it's not anything that we owe him. It's just the logical things to do is what he says. Uh, it's your reasonable uh, service or logic yeah. of the word means logical. It just makes sense. So our, our motivation is grace, not our, op, our motivation to serve comes from a knowledge and experience of God's grace. We're not paying back a debt that we owe him. It's an amazing thing that, uh, that the way Romans lays that out. And instead, so many of us and these other false religions get the cart before the horse. They want to put the works first and preach that first and then talk about grace. But Romans talks about grace for 11 chapters before it tells us anything to do. Hmm. Yeah. So why then, you know, it's so clear in the scriptures that salvation is all of grace. And yet why do many people, even and people who are Christians who are uh, Bible-believing Christians, brothers and sisters in Christ, nevertheless still want to uh, 
ad works in some way. What, what's, what would you say is behind that? Now, you did mention one thing that maybe it's just a confusion of justification and sanctification or salvation and discipleship. But what might be some other, you know, and again, we don't want to be attributing motives to people we don't you know, know, but what do you think might be some motives that could cause all of us to maybe chafe a little bit at grace? And like, is it really free? Is that really enough? I think the answer is simple. Someone asked me that a couple of days ago, the very same question. And why is it that we want to add something to what we must do to be saved? And my answer, my belief is a simple word, pride, human pride. It comes from uh, the human nature that wants to be, uh, to claim something for itself, uh, to bring glory to itself. Uh, it's really that C.S. Lewis called pride the essence of sin, the very center of sin. And, and to, to know that I'm saved by God's grace alone, that there's nothing I can contribute is so humiliating and humbling to people that I think they want to save a little bit of what they they can do uh, so that they, that appeals to their their ego and their pride. That's my my simplest answer. They may have theological reasons and so forth, but why can't they come out of those kind of theologies? I think pride keeps them in those theologies. Hmm. Would you also say that maybe and maybe even just pastorally, there's also a fear? Well, if we just preach uh, the pure gospel of grace, it's going to lead to licentiousness. It's going to lead to people taking advantage of grace and saying, well, you know, I'm good now. I'm saved. I'm going to go live my life. Now, it's interesting. You were talking about uh, Romans. And of course, Paul anticipates that in Romans 6, right? What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. And what I love about that is basically what that tells me is, you know what? If we are preaching the message of grace inevitably we're going to have that concern come up. It's, it's inevitable, but Paul doesn't say, well, you know, that's a legitimate concern. So, you know what, it's not, let's add some stuff to this. It's not just grace. Rather, he says, no, grace is what motivates us out of gratitude and out of a changed heart and by the power of the Holy spirit to live to the glory of God. Exactly. Uh, if, if you're not being criticized, if you're preaching the gospel of grace, you will be criticized. If you're not being criticized, you might question what gospel you're preaching. Um, Martin Lloyd-Jones has a really good quote along that way that I can't recite for you, but he says, uh, if you're preaching the gospel of grace, you're going to be criticized for it. You're going to be accused of preaching licentiousness, antinomianism. And, you know, Paul anticipated that, answered it beautifully in Romans chapter 6. No, 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 absolutely. It's accentuated in the Greek language. He says, you have a new master, you have a new power, you have a new position. Um, and there is an accountability also for how we live our lives. By the time he gets to the end of chapter six, he talks about uh, the wages of sin uh, continue, can continue to separate us from God, and uh, at least in our fellowship. So uh, there are many reasons why uh, we we uh, might be criticized for preaching grace and people do that. Yeah. You know, I, I love this, this story I heard years ago, um, Harry Ironside, it's attributed to him, but that he was telling um, a story about a, a new convert at a, some speaking or revival or whatever he did. 
and uh, the man goes up and is just sharing his testimony. And it's just incredible. I was such a sinner. I was so lost. I was living in such evil. And then God saved me. And it was just this free gift of grace. And I give him the glory. And isn't he good? And just lavishing upon me all this grace, such a sinner like me. And apparently the person in charge of the meeting didn't quite uh, like that and thought, uh, you know, he didn't quite understand grace. And so he goes up afterwards to the podium and and says uh, something like, um, you know, it seems you're seeming to imply that God did everything to save you. Uh, didn't you do your part too? And, and the new Christian guy jumps back up there and he says, oh, I did. I did my part, right? Um, for 30 years, I ran away from God as fast as my uh, sins could carry me. That was my part, but God took out after me. He ran me down. He saved me. That was his part. I mean, I just love that. That's exactly uh, what it is. That's a good story. All we bring to God is an empty hand. We bring them our sins. Yes, absolutely. An and that's what faith is, a good picture of faith. It's just an empty hand. We just are ready to receive what he's offered us. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, but one last one last question, um, and this list leads perfectly into that. Uh, it's not that grace is only about our salvation. Grace also, we see in the scriptures, uh, plays a part in our daily Christian life. So what, what part does it play? In the Christian life? Well, of course, it plays a great part in our wit, Christian witness because we can witness with confidence and tell people that they can have eternal life. Think about grace is an intimate part of evangelism because uh, we can offer the gospel with boldness. But I know what you're saying. Beyond that, uh, we have Jesus who's full of grace and truth, and he's the model, I think, that we have for how we should live our lives with grace. And, uh, and that involves uh, how we treat people with forgiveness, with love, uh, with patience, um, but also grace, grace, I like to define grace as um, everything we don't deserve for anything we need, and even more. Uh, that's my little definition I came up with. Grace is everything we don't deserve for anything we need, and even more. So we talk about a lot, we talk a lot about grace and salvation, but grace really is how God provides everything that we need in our lives. It's by his grace. And that's why he says in Hebrews 4.16, come boldly before the throne of grace to find grace to help in time of need. There's an open invitation to come to him who is the God of all grace, who's got a storage house full of grace, just waiting to give it to us as help for any difficult situation we're in, any difficult emotion that we're in. Anytime we feel a need, we don't deserve his help, but he is offering it to us. So there's, there's that guidance, there's that power, there's the motivation to live the Christian life out of gratitude instead of um, legalism or uh, ex external works to please others or to prove that we're saved. We have that internal motivation uh, to just live our lives out of love and gratitude for God. That's what honors him. That's what develops the deepest relationship with God is when we return the love that he has for us. We love him because he first loved us and that love was communicated by his grace. So, I mean, grace is just, is just everything in the Christian life from our motivations right on through to meeting every other need that we have. Yeah. I was thinking about uh, Titus 2, uh, 11 uh, to 12 as well. For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people. Yes, you know, right? But then verse 12, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, godly lives in the present age. So it doesn't just save us, it also then trains us. Exactly. So, yeah, again, it's keeping the cart 
after the horse. <laughs> Grace yes. appears and then it trains us. And that word train that's used there is that we can get the English word pedagogy from it has the idea of someone who is, is taking care of a younger person and training them up. Uh, it's a very good word that's used there. And he, so he trains us to live a godly life. We don't have to promise or live a godly life in order to be saved. That comes after our salvation. That's a good verse. Yeah. I also uh, love 1 Corinthians 15, uh, 10, where Paul says, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace toward me was not in vain. On the contrary, I worked harder than any of them, though it was not I, but the grace of God that is within me. So grace was part of his salvation. I am what I am. But then he's saying, you know what? All of the hard work you're seeing, and man, you think of Paul's life, wow. I mean, he was just, you know, he uses toy, I toiled and struggled. And you think about all the suffering he endured. And you think about 2 Corinthians at the end in, in 11 and 12 there. And he's talking about that. And, and yet here he can say, but you know what? It was all grace. It was all God empowering me through the Holy Spirit. I couldn't have done any of this without his energy within me. Yeah, that's one of my favorite verses. We are to work and we do work, but it's God's work is grace working in us to give us that power to do that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, just, uh, just with our brief discussion here, I feel kind of like Schaefer. I just want to say, isn't it magnificent? I mean, it's just incredible. It's amazing. And I hope it never ceases to be amazing for everybody who's listening because uh, um, you cannot know or experience too much of God's grace. That's right. That's right. Well, um, I already mentioned a few of the resources that you uh, have out there that I've utilized, our staff is utilizing those two books. So again, Simply by Grace, a wonderful, I would say the best primer out there, uh, just to get a handle on that. Uh, another book that actually, um, when I interviewed Dr. Shea a while ago, he, the first book he re recommended was your book, uh, Grace, Salvation and Discipleship. That's another good one. Um, but also, where can we get uh, some other resources? You have a, a website? Yeah, my website, simplybygrace.org lists all the resources that I've had a part in writing. Uh, so it lists uh, the books that I've written, plus the chapters, some books where I just have a chapter. Uh, you'll I even put out a new book this, I'm going to mention this this summer, it's called Fishing for Life. For those who like to fish or like know somebody who does, and it has an evangelistic message, but I like to fish. So I've incorporated the stories with the evangelistic message uh, where people see God's grace there. But uh, we also have it on the website, uh, a lot of uh, articles. We have a lot of uh, audio and video messages and links. And um, there's just, there's just the most downloaded thing is the Old Testament and New Testament outlines of every book of the Old and New Testament I did for a doctoral project. Um, it's been downloaded uh, tens of thousands of times. Um, then we also have a grace research room, we call it, where other authors, we put some things by other authors that are helpful to people. So if they write a good paper, but they don't plan on getting it published somewhere, they can put it on our website. There's just a lot there um, besides yeah. our usual ongoing newsletter and information updates and things. Yeah, great resource. So check it out, listeners. Um, I find especially your grace notes helpful, where basically it's a question that then you're answering. And a lot of them are questions with some of those passages where okay, I get it. I'm saved by grace, but this passage on first reading, it sure seems like it's saying that works are involved or that sort of thing. And you can find those, a lot, most of those verses and find good, helpful, contextual um, interpretations of them that show, no, this is not contradictory to grace. I, I find those parts especially helpful. Well, Jay, you know, I, for, I forgot to mention grace notes and they're the most accessed thing on our website. There's 90 of them and they deal, they're two page Bible studies that in black and white, 
that you can download and hand out to your Bible classes and Bible studies. And they're used all over the world. It's the most accessed part of the website. And uh, people just enjoy and appreciate those little short studies on topics related to the gospel and salvation. Yeah, very simple. And it's not overwhelming, but you just get a really concise and good uh, answer to a lot of those questions. So uh, again, I encourage our listeners to check that out. But uh, I think that's where we'll end. Thanks again, Dr. Bing, for taking the time to join us on this podcast. And I trust that it was helpful and that all of us, I hope, are leaving this uh, just again, all the more amazed at God's grace. Amen. And thank you, Jay, for having me. It's good to be with you. So next week, Pastor Joe will be taking over the podcast, digging deeper into Ephesians 2, 11 to 22, which he'll be preaching on that Sunday. So be sure to check that out. Until then, may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit abide with you now and forever. So long.